Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in to Talking Terps, a show which covers University of Maryland basketball and football. Talking Terps is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Terrapins. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome to Talking Terps. I am your host, C.T. Schwenk. Thank you for joining us on our maiden voyage here. It's April 17th, 2015. This is a Baltimore Sports in Life podcast. As you just heard, BaltimoreSportsInLife.com is where you can find a bunch of other good podcasts, just like ours. Baltimore, be more sports life on Twitter is the, uh, the handle over there. Facebook.com slash Baltimore sports in life is where you find us on the Facebook. As I said, my name is CT Schwink. I'm joined by Zach Kiesel. How are you, sir? Doing well, CT. How are you? Doing well, doing well. We're overcoming some, some internet hurdles here, but, uh, I think we've made it and, um, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk Terps with you, man. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, and it's, it's not a first show without some technical difficulties, but it looks like we're good to go. Yeah, we made it. So we've got a spring game to talk about. We've got a little bit of hoops we can touch on, um, and it's, you know, it's April, but I, I've got the, the football itch. You know, as soon as, as, soon as basketball season ended, I, I kid you not, like three days later, I was talking to my buddy. I'm like, oh, you know what? I could use a little bit of tailgate in my life. I didn't get it yesterday, yeah. but um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling it. You went tailgating yesterday. I did go tailgating. Uh, it was good. There was a there were a few groups out there. There's a uh, great weather, and uh, and they actually had a tailgate sponsored by Toyota. They had some nice pit beef for free. It was it was nice. It was mm-hmm. a it was a good time, good way to kick off the day. Um, we saw some saw some good football, and then we saw some good lacrosse. It was a good good Saturday uh, overall. So you're just to to give the listeners a little back, bit of background. You are the president of the Pride, the the student group at, at Maryland. That's correct. I am. I'm the president of the Pride, and I'm a senior at the University of Maryland. Been a Terps fan my whole life, and I'm excited to share that with the world. I've been writing for Baltimore Sports and Life for the last few years, and it's been a it's been a good time. So were you out there? I saw that you were you were pushing on Facebook, um, you know, this tailgating action yesterday. Were you out there as the president of the Pride, kissing babies, shaking hands? What's your what's kind of your role yesterday? Yesterday I was just chilling out, having fun, setting up the tailgate, um, having fun with some fellow students who were just as passionate about Maryland sports as I am. Right, right. On. Well, I'll just uh, take one back south. I uh, I've been doing. Another Maryland podcast called Red Shell Radio for the last four years. We just wrapped up our fourth season. Uh, I don't really know if that's going to continue next football season. We're definitely going to – we're doing this every week. This is my new thing. So uh, I'm excited to be aboard um, with the Baltimore Sports and Life team. So this will be how we do things, and then maybe Red Shell will come back. Nobody cares about Red Shell, though, so that's all right. Um, Let's talk about this spring game, though. It was our first chance to look at DJ Durkin's – Terrapins in action. Um, not a whole lot to glean from the spring game normally. I'm glad that you went because I'm going to fess up. I would not have watched any of it at all. So was it as boring as I would have predicted? I mean, there was 
have a little bit of, you know, new flavor with, uh, with Durkin on the sideline and, you know, the new coaching staff, how was, how, how are things looking there? What do we, what do we want to discuss here? Do we want to talk offense? I know before when we spoke, you, you know, you say you're, you're like a film room kind of guy. I, I guess I wonder what was different out there on the field this spring, as opposed to, um, you know, the last time we saw the, the Terps take the field. Well, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that's, that's different. Um, you know, obviously a new coaching staff, new offense, new defense, a lot of new players. Um, and I think that's the reason you saw, and, and for anyone who was out there, you know, um, there's a lot of fans there. Um, we pretty much filled the entire uh, side of the, the stadium under, under Tizer Tower, which I've never seen in a spring game. So people are excited to see what the new coaching staff's going to bring. I think the biggest thing, you know, overall scheme-wise from, from the offense, which is what I was really excited to see, obviously, Walt Bell running the, the high-tempo spread offense, was the tempo. I, I was really interested to see how fast they would go, and they moved pretty quickly. You didn't see a whole lot of diversity in the play calling. Um, a lot of the, the things that they did were running the same play over and over again. But that's also what you're going to see from this offense, because when you move with tempo, you know, mixing up the play calls isn't quite as important. So, I think we saw a lot of good things. You saw some bad things, which is normal in a spring game. But I think there's some, some things for them to build on once they reconvene for camp in a few months. And I think it gives us some hope for the future. There were a lot of good performances, I think, led by Ty Johnson, a running back who had a breakout day. Yeah, I think literally the last time the Terps took the field in a, in a meaningful game, they, he had a, a big performance against Rutgers. So it was cool to, to hear him ripping off big runs. Um, it sounds kind of like the, the backfield is, will be a position of strength for Maryland this year, hopefully. It, it certainly hasn't been the last couple of years. Like there's just been like the running pack position has just been non, a non-factor mostly. Um, nice to see him out there. Uh, I believe, what's the guy from Virginia Tech's name who just transferred in? Yeah, that's Trey Edmonds. Um, I have him projected to get some good snaps. We didn't see a whole lot of him yesterday. Mostly saw okay. him on third long. It looks like he might be a third down kind of back. Um, for now, we saw a lot of Wes Brown and mostly Ty Johnson when he was ripping off those big runs. Awesome. I, I was listening to uh, to Durkin on the, the Sports Junkies on Friday, I believe, and he was – he was talking about how DJ Moore has probably been the most impressive offensive piece throughout the spring, but um, Laverne Jacobs looking spry out there yesterday. I mean, he had a couple big catches. It, it sounds like so. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you know, the the wide receiver position might not be a total tire fire this year as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of young talent um, at the receiver position, and you've also got some veteran talent like Jacobs, who's a, who's a senior and he'll pro, he'll be the, the starting slot receiver uh, for Walt Bell. You know, he's a guy who was kind of overshadowed by Stefan Diggs um, in 2013 and 2014. Um, and then of course he was uh, suspended. Well, he was suspended in 2014 and then 2015 he came back and, you know, with Perry Hills or Caleb bro or, Dax Garman throwing the ball around. There wasn't a whole lot to look for at the receiver position, but he's a guy who's very explosive. He's, he's physical. Um, he's a solid slot receiver and he can make some big plays down the field. So it's going to be exciting to watch him and the rest of this receiving crew this season. 
I know this is all, I mean, it's, it's, it's April. So we're, you know, getting excited about, you know, we, we, we don't know if any of the stuff is going to actually pan out. Hopefully it will. That's what, you know, why they fired Randy Edsel. But um, the one thing I think for the, the football team as a whole that we, we need to, we need to talk about it. It's, it's the quarterback position. And um, last year it was ugly. Uh, Perry Hills, Caleb Rowe, uh, the whole gang, it was, um, exciting in a bad way for sure throughout the season. Uh, I know, did they, did they split care or I'm sorry, did they split snaps yesterday? Like, uh, Dur- Durkin had kind of alluded to throughout the week. Yeah. Caleb Rowe and Perry Hills, uh, pretty much split reps with the first team. There really wasn't, uh, it, it didn't look like they, he was, you know, favoring one over the other. Um, and Gage Schaefer saw snaps with the second team or the third team, however mm-hmm. you want to put it. Um, so uh, Rowe finished the day seven for 16, 161 yards, two touchdowns, and Hills went 14 for 25, 102 yards, and one touchdown. They were pretty much even in their performances, which I was surprised at because most of what we've heard out of camp is how impressive Hills has been, and they really like him and the way that he plays. But Rowe had some good throws, too. Um, he had 60 more yards that he threw for than, than Hills, helped out partially by a 63-yard Jaquiel Vey touchdown. Of course, Vey won't be eligible this season, but he's back for next year. Um, but overall, pretty pretty even. You didn't see the quarterbacks run a lot off of the read option. Um, you're never going to see that in a spring game. So Hills didn't really get to use that part of his game. But – Um, they were more even than I thought they would be uh, based on what we heard out of camp. And it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out in the fall, because it looks like um, it's going to be an open competition between the two of them for the starting job come September. Also uh, have uh, Ty Pigrome in the mix as well. He'll be, he'll be on campus in August. Um, Be interested to see what he does out there. I feel like a lot, sometimes you get, like with a first year head coach, like, you know, they'll, they'll recruit a freshman quarterback in this case, you know, it's Pigrome. He wasn't that heralded, you know, three-star guy, but maybe Durkin will just be like, forget it. Like I'm, I'm going with my guy. We'll, we'll live with, you know, the freshman growing pains and um, we'll just kind of see how it goes. I'm, I'll be interested to see how this all, this all shakes out. So you said they looked pretty, I mean, Hills and Bro, they looked even, I, I was interested to see how Caleb would, would do, especially in the, you know, flinging the ball around a little bit more. I think that'll be uh, certainly a thing to watch. Yeah. Um, I mean, each of them had some good throws. Um, they each connected on some deep throws down the sidelines, but for as many of those as they completed, each of them had some really bad throws, um, you know, over the middle, overthrowing guys, overthrowing deep throws, underthrowing deep throws. So they didn't look, you know, like world beaters, they were just pretty much even in their performances. And I didn't see a whole lot of improvement as far as either of their arms go from last season. Um, Rowe, it looks like his decision-making might have improved. He's not as much of a reckless gunslinger uh, as he was last season. But, you know, it's just the spring game, so that could just be an anomaly. What do you think about about these two I, I would talk to my, my guys on, on red shell. And um, one of my, one of my guys was a big uh, Caleb bro support. I'm sorry, Perry. Yeah. He was a big Caleb bro supporter. And um, you know, eventually everyone was screaming to get him out of the game and put Caleb bro onto the field. And uh, Caleb bro never actually won any games. Although I feel like he generally played better than, than um, 
Perry. Oh my God. I'm like so backwards right now. It's, it's, it's April football in April. Um, Caleb bro. I'm sorry. Perry Hills did not actually win a game. Um, I botched it, man. <laughs> yeah, Perry so, Hills. Uh, Perry Hills didn't win. He didn't win anything, but he looked better. But Caleb Rowe was the one who won the games. But I, I feel like I'm less confident about him overall. How, how do you feel, you know, in terms of that? Yeah. So are you, Hills, are you more confident uh, one over the other? Sorry. I, I, I don't know. I think I'm more confident with Hills just because he doesn't turn the ball over as much. Um, so it depends on kind of what the, what the coaching staff is looking for out of a quarterback. So I think this year you're going to see Hills uh, emerge as the starter, mainly because he takes care of the ball. He can run the ball a little bit. And I don't think they're going to be doing a whole lot of throwing, especially down the field. Um, if they do, it's going to be on, off of play action. We didn't see any throws down the field yesterday that weren't off of play action. Um, so it's going to be crucial for them to have a good running game. And I think Hills gives them the best chance to do that. Rowe is an interception machine, and I don't think you can win games anywhere doing that, but especially win games against the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. you got to be able to protect the ball, and I think Hills does that the best out of the two. Yeah, hopefully we just see – I mean, my, my bar for next season is, is pretty low. I would just like to see general improvement – uh, from the squad overall, and you know, if 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 they can, I mean, some of those some of those turnovers, man, especially when they they accumulate like they did. I think Maryland was the most uh, turned over team in all of college football, and um, I feel like if they can just cut down, I mean, like I don't know what the number is, but maybe if they like take a third of those, you know, don't turn the ball over a third as many times, uh, they're going to win a couple more games. Cause I feel when those things accumulate, that's how your wins or your losses rack up. Um, so I, I think I'm with you there. And so hopefully just as a whole, they <laughs> stop intercept, stop throwing interceptions, stop fumbling the ball. Um, that would be, that would be good for me. That's what I would like to see. Yeah. That's generally a formula for success. Uh, the other thing that's going to help them this year is that they've got, a very easy schedule. Um, they've got an easy non-conference schedule and they've got a relatively easy big 10 schedule. So it's, it's perfect timing for that because last year they had one of the toughest schedules in the country. So this year, DJ Durkin's first year, his guys should be able to have some games to feel good about. And, and like you said, um, all I'm really looking for is some, some improvement, play Ohio state tough, play Michigan tough, play Michigan state tough. Um, if you can get an upset, great. But give us some hope moving forward that maybe next year or the year after we can beat a team like that. And that's all we're really looking for this season, especially in Durkin's first year. We're just looking for marginal improvement. Yeah, I'm, uh, you mentioned schedule. I'm looking at it now. You got Howard in the opener at FIU, at UCF, a bye week, and then Purdue. I feel like... Maryland could be 4-0 by the time they have to go to, to Penn State to play uh, the Nittany Lions. That seems reasonable to me. And then after that, they've got Minnesota. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, 5-1 is, is a lot to, to to ask and, you know, talk about right now. But, you know, it's it's pretty promising looking. I mean, you know, they get that marginal improvement. I mean, they can beat Howard, FIU, UCF, and Purdue. They, I mean, they should. Yeah, UCF is going to be the interesting one. Of course, Scott Frost, the Oregon offensive coordinator, that's just going to be his first year down there. They're going to be excited to play in his up-tempo offense. 
and on the road, that's that's the one non-conference game I think you look at and go, well, you know, that's gonna that might be a tough one. Um, and FIU's shown some marginal improvement over the years, so they're not going to be easy. I agree with you. They right. that a team like Maryland should be winning those games, um, and then Purdue at home. You know, that's a good way to start Big Ten season, give yourself a little bit of confidence. Um, so yeah, four and zero looks like it's possible. Um, you know, looking at the schedule like that isn't isn't the most important thing to do in a coach's first year. But, you know, I I think there's a very reasonable expectation that they could get to a bowl game, which would be huge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that they could, you know, match their win total in the first, you know, quarter of the season, that would be, that would be phenomenal. Um, And you're, you said the B word bowl game. That's, you know, that's it's definitely possible. I mean, they got they got they play Rutgers every year, so you know that you get a couple wins at the beginning of the season. You got Rutgers all the way to uh, to bookend it. I mean, Indiana's in there too. Like it's it wouldn't be crazy. We it would not be crazy. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year as far as the schedule goes. And Penn State on the road, you know, that, that's a possibility too. Uh, the tough yeah, stretch is sure. going to be when they play Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. Those are the three games where you just go. Just get into the fourth quarter and give us some hope. Are you gonna? I've been I've been talking with my buddies, thinking about a road trip, perhaps. I mean, I, I've never been to Penn State before, so that's it's not very far. But um, at Michigan is a little bit enticing to me. Uh, at I mean, they go to go to Lincoln. I hear Lincoln's a great place to watch football games. So um, some good road destinations as well for the uh, yeah. The yeah, last year, uh, I, as the president of the Pride, we led a group of 50 students. We went up to Ohio Stadium, which was an incredible experience. Um, oh, man. Randy Edsel's last game. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was really fun. Columbus is a great town. And if anybody out there ever gets the chance, jump at it because they're great people. Um, hit up Buckeye Donuts on your way and head over to the stadium. It's, and we went. It was their homecoming game, sold-out stadium incredibly passionate fans and yeah i think this year you've got some good ones this is kind of 2014 all over again with as far as the big 10 schedule goes so you've got penn state Mm -hmm. michigan on the road uh i'll I'll definitely be looking at that that penn state game uh that'll that'll be a fun one to go to michigan maybe down the road once i get a little more money saved up we'll go to the big house (laughs) uh i'm so jelly of I know they're the Ohio State University, but uh, I'm so jelly of their stadium, man. I, I mean, not, it's not Bird anymore. It's uh, it's Maryland Stadium. Maryland Stadium is just it's such a dump. It, it gets me so sad when when I'm watching that Ohio State game, and you know, I, I'm I'm really big into like cool stadiums and like you know t- being able to trap the sound in, and you know, Ohio State like closing off the horseshoe, and it was just it's I'm sure it was cool to to be part of it, but. Man, it just makes me think about how much of a dump Maryland Stadium is. Yeah, it, it, makes it was me sad. built a Although lot. Although the beer helps. <laughs> that does, and that that's something that will probably be continuing next year. They made they made a good amount of money on that. Oh, shocker. They made a bunch of money off selling beer. Who, who would have thought that was going to happen? Right. Actually, all of it is going to, to mental health uh, support victims and mental, you know, people with mental health problems, so – you know, it's for a good cause, and you can feel yeah. feel good about yourself uh, while drinking a beer, watching watching Maryland, hopefully play better this season. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to drink for a cause, and um, I contributed a lot of money to that fund. So uh, <laughs> I know it was 
I know it was like the trial program. I, hopefully they, they lift the, was it like the one beer limit per person? I, I think that was like part of the, the rolling out. So maybe, maybe we'll get a two beer maximum per person. Who knows? That would be crazy. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it could be great. You know, <laughs> DJ Durkin may have an influence on that. Get, get more people out <laughs> to the stadium. We should, if, if, if you see Durkin around campus, you should really push that on be like, Hey, can we talk about the two, the one beer limit per person? This is kind of preposterous. Yeah. That's clearly the thing that's going to be at the top of his mind. I'll, I'll definitely be sure to be sure to talk <laughs> to him, put, put my word in. Thanks. Thanks for relating the, uh, the talking Terps message to him. Yeah. Wanna, not a problem. <laughs> I want to get your, we, we'll, we'll talk more about defense next week and, uh, maybe as we like march into the off season, we can we can really dig into you know um, units position by position. But uh, just briefly, I want to get your thoughts on uh, Andy Buzz debut. Is that is it is it really is it Bu B U H? Yeah, I have his no afternoon. idea how to pronounce his name. <laughs> I think it's just Andy Buh, and it's kind of fitting because I mean he came from Kentucky. I don't know if he's from Kentucky. You know as far as his origins go, but uh, that's a, that's a good Southeastern name. Um, what was kind of your, what was your vibe on the defense? We, again, we don't have to, you know, dig into it, but what, what did you see out there? They wrote, they're running a four, three now, correct? Uh, it's kind of a, a multiple crazy scheme at the base of it. It's a four, three. Now what's interesting is, and of course the defense did win the spring game uh, 51 to 35, but the scoring ah. on it was pretty the scoring on it was pretty rigged as far as the defense goes. And that shows DJ Durkin's bias. But uh, we, we saw, I, I think the biggest thing that we saw was them operating almost exclusively out of, out of a nickel with five defensive backs in the field. So what's interesting is going to be, and that makes sense, um, you know, because the offense is running these spread out formations with three or four receivers. So it only makes sense that against offenses like that, our defense would go with a nickel look. What's interesting is how are they going to fare against the likes of Michigan, Michigan state people who, you know, teams that use fullbacks almost exclusively. So it'll be interesting to see how much practice time they're able to get with a typical four, three look. Uh, So one of the other interesting things that we saw in this nickel look is Shane Cockerell was starting at linebacker. um, And he saw a time alongside Jermaine Carter jr. Yeah. So, I, I, I'm not sure how much of that is just Durkin wanting to get him as many snaps as possible at his new position or how much of that is they really think he could start at linebacker. I mean, he's an athletic, talented kid. So we'll have, that's a storyline to watch uh, through the rest of camp. Now, what we didn't see was any of Abner Logan, uh, who I thought was going to be starting at linebacker, uh, at outside linebacker across from Jalen Brooks. Uh, I'm not sure if that's due to just an injury or what, um, but overall the defense looked good. They had 12 sacks on the day, uh, 20 tackles for loss, um, and Roman Braglio, uh, defensive end, was was the star. He had six tackles. Uh, four of those were sacks. So the defense uh, looks like it's going to be fine um, under DJ Durkin. The one thing that I would be worried about is defensive back depth. Uh, we didn't see a whole lot of that, and we saw a lot of guys playing that that you know there in fact one one guy uh, Luke Cheswick was playing at strong safety and he's not even on the roster so I don't know where they picked him up <laughs> but that's that's going to be an issue this year is defensive back depth especially if they're going to play a lot of nickel yeah and I mean 
you had guys like uh Sean Davis, AJ Hendy are they're they're no longer with the team, but uh last year I mean even even with them on there there was really nothing to really like about the secondary outside of uh William Likely. Um Denzel Conyers is is going to be back around. Alvin Hill, hopefully he'll uh, have a bounce back here, but I'm I'm with you that's it's going to be a little bit dicey. Yeah, and likely didn't see any playing time at corner yesterday. He's been injured in camp, so they're trying to trying to rest him. He did uh he did play at punt returner, but he fair caught every ball, so it's not like we got to see anything there. Um one interesting side note as far as punting goes, um our Australian punter, Wade Lees, twenty seven year old, who was kicked out of the Australian Rules Football League for PED use. It looks like he's gonna be our starting punter this year for the Terps. And another interesting note, um, Pete Lembo, the new special teams coach who came over from Ball State, looks like they're going to be using that sprint-out punting method um, that we saw a lot from, from Ole Miss, and a lot of the college teams have moved to that. So it's going to be a little different look from the punters this year. Hmm, good nugget on the on Wade Lees. That's kind of, I mean, it was for PEDs, but I, I think that's kind of badass that uh, he got thrown out of the league and um god anyone is better than nate renfro let me just let me just say that uh not wasn't a big fan i don't think really anyone was but uh glad we just got some new blood at that position and somehow nicholas pritchard last year was was worse so i think wade lees is is gonna (laughs) put put some of those punting fears to rest let's uh let's let's hope so um anything else you want to touch on in, in in terms of the spring game here well, I think I think one of the other th- interesting things we saw was that the the offensive line kind of came into focus a little, even though a lot of the the positions are still up for grabs. The the two positions that are on lock are Michael Dunn's going to be the starting left tackle and Brendan Moore's going to be the starting center. Um, but it was interesting to see where the other guys fit in. So Jawan Delaney was playing some left guard along with Quarvez Bulware. Uh, Mari Shelton was splitting time at right guard with Sean Christie. Damian Prince saw a lot of time at right tackle. Um, EJ Donahue did as well. What's going to be interesting is how Damian Prince and Derwin Gray get on the field at the same time, if at all. Um, it's going to depend on one of those if, on if one of those guys can slide into guard. And we didn't see either of them playing any guard yesterday. So we'll see how that offensive line pans out um, during fall camp. That's good. see what they got and hopefully they can they can get all those guys on the on the field together yeah for sure and I think it's it's def the offensive line is definitely a position of strength um they've got better guys there than they had last year and better guys last year than they did the year before the offensive line is just getting better they're getting more and more recruits more and more high level recruits and we saw that yesterday when Jordan McNair four-star offensive tackle from McDonough committed to Maryland at the spring game. Um, and he looks like another piece to the offensive line's future. Great transition there. Yeah. I mean, it's been a big, big couple weeks for DJ Durkin on the, the recruiting trail. I was excited to see that. Um, can't have too many four-star offensive linemen. Uh, in addition to that, and the, just in, I guess a little over a week, uh, we've had Cam Spence commit, Kasim Hill, 
uh, I don't really know how to say this other guy's name. I'm going to give it a shot here. Uh, Ayinde Ely. Um, I believe yeah, that he's, uh, he's more of an he's more of an athlete guy. Um, but I'm a, I get I get size for the big uglies, man. I mean that's that's really that's really how you succeed in college football is have a good offensive line, have a good defensive line, and you're probably going to succeed. So you know the fact that Cam Spence, um, big defensive tackle has committed uh, delights me to no end, especially because Randy Etzel uh, just basically refuted, refused to recruit defensive linemen. Um, obviously, we've got uh, Adam McLean will be on the field this year, so uh, so that's exciting. And, and then they get the uh, quarterback prospect for the future, obviously not till, till 2017 when we'll see him with the Terps, but uh, Kasim Hill, he'll, he's a four-star guy and that's i like to hear that especially after uh you know the whole Dwayne haskins debacle um this past winter yeah we can only hope that that this four-star quarterback situation is a little better than, than the one we've seen in the past um but yeah he looks like a good a good prospect he was at gilman for the beginning of his high school career um and it looks like he'll be at st john's uh this year um 6'3", 215, so good size on him already. And he's listed as a pro-style quarterback, but he's got some mobility. He's more than mobile enough to run Walt Bell's offense. So what will be interesting to see is how early he can contribute, whether he can come in in 2017 and be the starter, because by that time, Caleb Rowe and Perry Hills will have graduated, and you're going to see Gage Schaefer as the most senior quarterback on the roster unless you see any more transfers in. So we'll see. And I think one thing that they're going to be looking at is hopefully he can enroll early um, so he can participate in some more practices and maybe contribute immediately in 2017. Yeah, let's hope so. And I'll be interested to see if they continue to recruit other quarterbacks. Um, And then, you know, you'll have uh, Pigrom as a, as a sophomore there. So um, the position might be a little bit dry this year, considering what we'll see Rowe and Hills again, but um, the year after should be exciting. And hopefully that'll be as, you know, Durkin's master plan is, is starting to come together. Should have a good offensive line to, uh, to, to throw behind. So that's good. Yeah, absolutely. With, with Damian Prince and Derwin Gray uh, still on the roster. And then you've got a guy like Jordan McNair and some young guys like Quarvez Bulware, EJ Donahue, you're going to have, a solid offensive line base to build on um, protecting whoever the eventual quarterback ends up being. Um, and the defense looks solid. I mean, Cam Spence is a beast at defensive tackle out of the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. And he's just one of the many guys that Durkin's going to be grabbing from, from his home turf down there in Florida. Uh, so hopefully Maryland can get a few guys from that IMG Academy. That, that would be a huge steal and Durkin obviously has the connections. Yeah, they've got real live recruiting momentum, which is uh, strange to me as a Maryland fan. But it it seems like things are rolling, and uh, he's got Durkin's got a couple other, you know, high end recruits that he's got his eye on, and they've got their eye on Maryland. So I uh, do enjoy that, and uh, hopefully, I mean, just in general, I, I think he recruits a better quality of guy who you know is not the four or five star recruit that you're going after but the three and the two star guys I feel like um, with Randy Etzel not a whole lot of you know guys that fill out your roster you know uh, that no one was really I don't know Randy wasn't the best recruiter so hopefully DJ can kind of fill out that back end uh, a little bit better than Randy he's already doing better in, in terms of the star guys so 
let's uh, hope that he keeps it going. Yeah, top 25 recruiting class as it stands, um, better than I believe LSU in Florida. So that that won't that won't remain the same, uh, but it it definitely <laughs> gives everybody hope for the future. And I think you're only going to see it getting better because not only is Durkin an excellent recruiter himself, his entire staff is full of excellent recruiters. And that only helps him to have all those guys at his disposal. And they're going to be able to get some of these local guys. Um, and, and Randy Edsel built, built a, a decent foundation. He didn't always get the highest ranked recruits, but he did build relationships with the local high schools, which is going to help Durkin and his staff. You know, for example, the Matha uh, high school, you know, Ralph Friesian was never able to build a pipeline to the Matha. And in four years, it took Edsel four years, but he did build a pipeline and you're starting to see some of those guys starting this year with Tino Ellis and Lorenzo Harrison, some of those guys come on, uh, you know, into Maryland, which is right in the backyard and they are one of the football powerhouses in the country. So keeping that, relationship is going to be huge for Durkin. And I think it's something that he's put a priority on, which is great to see. Yeah. It's always, always been the game plan. If you can just recruit this area, well, uh, you should have a decent football team because everyone else recruits this area. Well, and uh, a lot of decent football squads out there. So we shall see how this all unfolds. Let's uh, let's jump to basketball here. Let's talk a little hoops. Um, First off, I think the most pressing thing is this Jared Nickens dance that's sweeping the internet. Um, have you have you seen this? I know some uh, – he posted them on Instagram, but I think he posted them on Snapchat too. It's basically to Ghost Town DJs My Boo and now college basketball teams. I think Marquette, Villanova, Virginia Tech, players on those squads are, are imitating it. I enjoy it. Yeah, it's I guess, fun. I guess the – the first one that he did was popping out of like a, a cart in the, in the training room or something. Yeah. And then I, I saw one the other day where he, he popped out of a, like a Honda Accord in front of a CVS on route one. So <laughs> he's just spanning the whole campus with this thing. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to be in on one of these. He's, he's got to hook me up. Um, get me some publicity. Yeah. So He's got the one, I think, so Jalen Brantley is his sidekick in all this. So he, he's the one jumping out of that, uh, that tub there. Then there's also one where he hops out from underneath a blanket. And then I think that one that you're talking about um, in CBS, I mean, they're, they're in route one doing this dance. Like that's, that's dangerous, but I, I, I admire their, uh, their commitment to the bit. Yeah. I don't know if Turgeon will have something to say to him about doing that stuff in the middle of route one or on the parking <laughs> lot, but uh, <laughs> You know he's gonna he's gonna need all the help he, he can get at small forward next season. Nickens, Nickens needs to uh, dance dance carefully. For sure. I mean, they the forward position is a little bit lacking at the moment, um, especially because Robert Carter Jr. Uh, the first domino to fall in these underclassmen who uh, you know are, are eyeing up the NBA draft. He he basically he's gone. I mean. I don't know if he's actually hired an agent yet, but uh, that was definitely sound like his intention. And um, I mean, uh, between him, Diamond Stone and, and Melo Trimble, you, you would have had to think that he'd be the first one back, but uh, evidently not. I guess it, it seems like it's one of those things. He's just, he wants to make money playing basketball somehow. It doesn't, I mean, you know, it doesn't, obviously the NBA is ideal, but it sounds like he's ready to just do it professionally, whether it's overseas D league, whatever, 
he's ready to go. And I, and I can actually, I've, I've been talking to people about this. I can empathize with that because uh, I did the, uh, the five-year victory lap. And uh, by the time I was like halfway through my, my senior year, I was like, I am so tired of working this dumb internship. I want to uh, taking classes and I want to make some money. Like it's time. I'm, I'm, I've learned everything. I feel like I, I'm going to learn and it's, it's time to move on. So, so I get it. What was your reaction to uh, Robert Carter's decision? I wasn't super surprised. What I've heard, and I don't have any confirmation on this, but what I've heard is his family does need some money. Um, so you obviously can't blame him for making the decision for his family. Um, so I wasn't too surprised. Um, and I wasn't surprised at all, obviously, about Diamond. And I think you're also going to see Mello go. I, th- I think he's in the kind of the same boat as, as Carter as far as the wanting to just wanting to leave. Um, and I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's super into college basketball. Um, he's kind of done his time and, and he's ready to go. But as far as Carter goes, it's definitely going to hurt the team that he's gone. Um, they, can, they could really use him, him next year because they really don't have any bigs who can score underneath. And that's, that's one of the things that Carter really provided for them last season. So he's gone. Uh, Diamond Stone is the next domino to fall. Um, he was probably the most obvious will he won't he return to college park and uh he certainly won't be and uh possibly he could hopefully he sneaks into the lottery i don't know how he's going to do you know at the combine things like that but uh that would be that'd be fun i i mean can never have too many uh too many terps and in, in the top 20 of the nba draft i i like that a lot but um seems like the smart sound decision to uh to move on and it seems like he's got a pretty pretty good family, pretty good team, kind of moving him through the process. Yeah, he's a guy where, you know, he's going to take advantage of what is going to be a weak draft, a relatively weak draft class. You know, you've got Ben Simmons at the top, and you got a few guys up there with him. But other than that, it's it's relatively weak compared to other years. So Diamond, will def- I think he'll definitely end up in the lottery. Uh, he could be like a top eight pick. Um, and he, he's going to make an NBA team very happy. I think he's a guy where he's going to need some polishing at the next level and kind of like Alex Len, um, he's going to need some polishing before he can get to NBA starting level. But, you know, Len's having himself a solid career now. And I think you're seeing more and more the NBA just taking guys and developing. Um, they see a guy with potential like Diamond and, and they're going to develop him. Um, and they don't, they don't worry about him being young. So I think it is a good decision for Diamond, and I think Turgeon's going to like it too because, you know, he still boasts about Alex Len, uh, you know, in the lottery, and I think he's going to be able to to push that to recruits with Diamond as well. Yeah, Alex Len really uh, had a a solid year and came on really strong in the last month for the the Phoenix Suns. Um, So that's that's an excellent recruiting pitch to have in your – your back pocket. And I think, I mean, you're right. He's, he's a little unpolished, but he'll be fine. He obviously, he needs work, uh, I think defensively, but, um, you know, working with Mello in a, in a guy who, you know, I think, I think we probably both think that Mello is an NBA player, if not this year, then the next year. But, um, you know, the fact that those two worked so well together, that, that bodes well that, you know, he can, he can catch the ball. He can run the floor. Um, he can shoot it a, a little bit, you know, around the basket and, um, you know, a lot of stuff that looks like it, it could translate to the NBA. And, and I think the fact that he was working with, with Mello uh, bodes well for whoever is uh, giving him the ball next year in the NBA. 
Yeah, Diamond's a guy with a very versatile skill set, and he's he's a little on the short side. Um, so that's the only down downside to kind of him physically, but he makes up for that. Um, you know, he plays tough. He's got great scoring ability underneath. He can rebound. And you did say, you know, the obvious flaw is the defense. And I think most of that's effort, just like most defense is effort. Um, and I just – I think – once he gets into the NBA, they can develop him, um, and he'll be a solid player at the next level. Yeah, I think you're right, too. And especially sometimes we I, – I mean, he was a good rebounder. I think at times I was a little bit disappointed that he wasn't he wasn't better at it. So, you know, maybe just getting into the league and getting a kick in the butt, uh, you know, be having – having basketball being your job rather than, you know, kind of part of what you're, what you're doing. Obviously it's probably his main focus, but you know, he's there's schoolwork too. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed and let's, let's hope that he, that he gets in the lottery. That would be uh, that would be exciting for us. Yeah. I think you saw what he can do when, you know, when he dropped off, you know, 39 points against Penn state, you know, that's the kind of talent this kid has. So the NBA mm-hmm. was certainly looking at that and, yeah, he's he's going to have a good career, um, and hopefully, uh, does get into the lottery. And Turgeon can talk about that for the next few years to recruits. So I think we should we should wind it down here. This is the most interesting case, the most critical case out of out of all three of these. Uh, Mellow Trimble, he has declared for the draft, but he's not hiring an agent. So. He's going to continue to go through this process. He basically has a month to decide at this point. Um, the team will be decidedly different, whichever route he does go. Uh, have had Gary Williams chime in the other day on the radio saying, you know, he better get his butt back to school. It seems like he's on that, you know, that fringe second, third round territory. Um, I mean, very, very selfishly of me. I hope that he comes back and, um, you know, leads leads Maryland to uh, to glory. But if he if he makes the jump, I wish him all the best, and and I think I think he'll succeed. He had a rough year this year, but we we've we've seen his potential. We've seen the flashes. We know what he's capable of. What's your what's your lean right now on him? I think you said earlier that you think he's gone. Yeah, I think I think he's gone. Everything I hear from inside the building uh, and from people I know is is that he is gone. Um, he's kind of given that sense to his teammates, to people around him. Um, and I, I can't blame him. I think the only instance where you see him stay is if he performs, uh, pretty badly at workouts and teams are starting to think, you know, not starting to think very highly of him. Um, and if he, if he doesn't show the ability that he showed in his freshman year at those workouts, I think that's a situation where you could see him come back and try to build on that. But I think right now I would lean maybe 75, 80% gone. Um, and obviously that could, a lot could change in the next, in the next month or so, but yeah, I, I would lean, I would lean gone. I don't think he's interested in, in coming back, um, unless, like I said, the workout. Yeah, I mean, he could get to the combine and, um, you know, really start talking to, uh, to, you know, GMs, um, scouts, and everything. If they're if they're pegging him hard in the, uh, the into the second round, then, you know, that 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 could be it. He could he could turn around. But I think I'm with you. I think he's probably going to leave, which is which is sad to see him go. But another turp in the, in the draft, getting drafted. I think that's more than we've seen lately. Yeah, and I think. 
you know, I hate to say the, the Terps are going to be fine without Mello because they'll definitely miss him, but they do have a lot of talent at the guard position, you know, with Anthony Cohen coming in and you got Deion Wiley and Jalen Brantley and Kevin Horder. Like you've got these guys who have a ton of talent um, and Wiley coming back is going to be huge. And between Brantley and Cohen, I think if he leave, if Trimble leaves, you know, they're going to be fine at point guard. So I think the biggest concern is going to be at, at, at the forward position and at the center position. Um, that's really the, the position where the Terps need to look outside of the program right now and get some immediately eligible transfers because otherwise it's looking real thin. And I think the other thing you're going to see is they're going to go with some smaller lineups. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially if Nickens is your, your primary option at the wing, uh, I think small ball is, is inevitable. Um, we can we can talk about you know transfer targets at a, at a different time, but I, I will slide this in there. Really excited to see um, what Ivan Bender has to offer this year. I uh, I wish we would have seen more of him last year, but this is this is the time for him to shine. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of talent, and I think the the one thing we haven't seen is a whole lot of playing time from him. He really hasn't been ready to play, you know, at a high level. But we did see him a little bit in some games late. Um, in the non-conference schedule, you saw some cool stuff. You know, his brother's name is Dragon Bender. He'll be in the in the lottery this year, as far as the NBA goes. So uh, even doesn't have quite as cool of a name, but uh, I think he's got some talent. And I think you know he's one of those guys who has some scoring ability underneath. He's got potential, um, and it's going to be a key this year that he's able to play. Up to up to the level that they need him to, as far as scoring goes, because as you know, Demonte Dodd and Michael Chukovsky really don't provide the scoring threat that you need underneath. Yeah, it would be nice for like one time ever that uh, a guy like Demonte Dodd really like for whatever like as a senior everything just clicks and he has like one of those really solid senior years that you know you see you know a guy just like him have and I feel like we haven't we haven't gotten that at Maryland in a while and it it kind of bums me out so hopefully he'll he'll round it out and hopefully uh too he'll he'll make some strides I mean offensively we we've seen some flashes I I don't think a lot of people kind of rag on him but I, I I think he's he's got potential to be really good he certainly does and and it's funny when you're when you're at the games and obviously um as a student, I sit pretty close to the court. You can always hear Turgeon yelling at Tchaikovsky. Every year, every game, yelling at Tchaikovsky um, to get in the position. <laughs> I think a lot of the time he plays too high on the defensive end, um, and he struggles to get into position, which is a little concerning to me. You know, his second year in the program, um, if he was a freshman, I could understand that. But even last year, you got a lot of uh, Turgeon trying to position Tchaikovsky. Um, so he'll need to take, take some big strides on the defensive end offensively like you mentioned we've seen uh flashes from him he's going to have to prove that he can be more consistent on the offensive end and that he doesn't disappear uh for games at a time weeks at a time um like we've seen from him the last few years yeah it's there though i mean i'll never forget that excellent game he played against uh frank kaminsky in wisconsin i mean it's there we'll see we'll see if it uh if it shakes out uh, any, anything else you want to touch on? I think that's, a, that's about all I got today, Zach. I don't think I have anything else. Some good football talk, good basketball talk. Um, we'll definitely build on that for 
for next week, and we'll look look a little more at the defense. Uh, we'll look at some some transfers that the basketball team might be looking at. But so be sure everybody out there to tune in next week. We got some good stuff to talk about. It's a good time for for Maryland football and Maryland basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe as things progress, I mean, I'm not any kind of uh, lacrosse aficionado, but maybe we can squeeze that in there as well. So excited to, uh, we don't, I'm not really sure when we'll be recording. I know when we get to the regular season, you know, closer to football, we'll probably hammer down a more consistent um, day for you to find uh, this fine podcast on the internet. But um, until then we'll, we'll be taking it uh, a piecemeal approach, but you should follow at be more sports and life um, to, to stay up with things in uh, Baltimore sports and life on Facebook as well. I think that's probably the, the best place to uh, to kind of funnel things right now as we're, we're just getting off the ground here. Um, so let's, let's close it out on that. Uh, we'll talk again next week. And until then, for my co-host, Zach Kiesel, I'm C.T. Schwenk. That was Talking Terps.